Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Sometimes during Christmas, something magical happens. Hey, Cricket customers. The Max with Ads plan is included with the Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. And this holiday season, Max is the one to watch when you're feeling festive. Son of a nutcracker. Cozy up to all the holiday classics like Elf, 8-Bit Christmas, and the Harry Potter 8 film collection. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. Phone plan streams and standard definition programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details. Welcome to High Stakes, Episode 5. I'm your host, Neil Orfield, and I'm joined today by one of the top DFS players today and one of the best DFS players of all time. He plays DFS all year, and he's near the top of every sport leaderboard uh, in the Roto-Grinders rankings. He's top 50 in NFL, MLB, NBA, PGA, and MMA. Uh, great DFS player. But Brian, Brian Hooper is my guest. Did you play any Lee Hodges today? Lee Hodges in PGA? PGA, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Let me check. I don't know. But I did not. I just checked. I did not. He started off with five birdies to start off the day, so had to ask. Oh, really? Okay. It must be in the second half because I don't remember that. I was watching the He beginning. just started. Yeah, yeah, he okay. just started. Um, anyway, I, I thought I'd start there, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to zero, zero on, at least on drafting. Zero. So. But okay. I do well, have 7% um, Danny Lee. Okay, that's good. Under. I think I didn't get too much on uh, on DraftKings, but I got to some on FanDuel. Yeah. So, you know, I'll take that, uh, I guess. You know, uh, fist pumping on day one of PGA is a way to be frustrated for uh, a long time. Yeah, especially in the morning, because like a lot of the best golfers haven't even started yet. Um, I'm pretty pretty pumped to have some Johnny Vegas. So I've already been doing some fist pumping, but um, get it out of my system early, I guess, because I have yet to win anything in golf. You try to get as many through, so you got the sweat on Friday afternoon. And then don't... Don't bother fist pumping until late Sunday in golf, man. It's it's a wild ride. So I've learned. I had I had one real sweat. My, my first real golf sweat was a few weeks ago, and I was on top uh, midway through the day on Sunday and lost money on the slate. So I know how that goes. Um, more generally, how are you doing, Brian? Good. I was watching a little uh, March Madness. Uh, no, really, no. I'm not going to play the showdown tonight in the NBA, so I don't think we have any work tonight, do we? Wow, I'm not okay. Doing, I'm not doing NHL. Done with that. I used to play NHL, but DFS got too hard. I had just assumed that you were going to play the NBA, uh, so I didn't even ask you to try to start later. I don't tempt me. Don't get me to change my mind. I'm, I'm do, you have, do you ever play NBA uh, Showdown? I've played a bunch. My uh, my latest Sims for this year. Um, I do have one for Showdown. It's uh, it's not like fully flushed out, so okay. I, I haven't been playing much. Okay. Uh, if you are watching the show on YouTube, you can probably see that Brian has on a Lowell's hat. Uh, I've, I've mentioned the Lowell's podcast several times on these shows. It's one of my main uh, sources of material when I'm 
interviewing people because a lot of the guests uh, that I've had on have also done Lowell's podcast previously. And in some cases, it's their only the only appearance they've had or one of only a few. So it's kind of the only place that I get to know pros. Um, I'm a big fan of the Lowell's podcast, but we'll, we'll get into Lowell's a little bit later on. Uh, let, let's start talking about your background a little bit for DFS. So to the extent that I understand your process, I believe it's one of the more precise mathematical processes of anybody that I know of uh, in DFS. So I'm curious how you gain the skills that you utilize in your process. To start with, what kind of background do you have in statistics? Is it formal or informal training? Uh, informal. I went to school for sport management, and there's there's not a t statistics even back then, Neil. Like that wasn't even that that huge. So like I had all the Bill James almanacs and um, uh. Uh, who else was big back then? The the you know all this online sabermetric guys. I can't remember okay. their some of their names are, are blanking on me, but yeah, I kind I was into it. I was always into baseball cards, right? And like video games like Baseball Mogul that were simulators. And um, my I, I played my dad's fantasy baseball league when I was twelve. And he, he didn't know any players, so like I was picking all the players and stuff like that. But that all that stuff is generally not super helpful for beating TFS 20 right. years later, but it did. Um, I did have an interest in um, those kind of descriptive statistics, right. More than predictive, which is what we really work in right. uh, since I was, uh, since I was a young kid and it was all informal learning um, except Bill James does have some practical formulas that you could still use in DFS um, and sports betting. Um, when you say destructive statistics, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like RBIs or like, what's a descriptive statistic? Descriptive. Yeah. So like 15 hits out of 50 at bats is a descriptive statistic would be a, whatever that batting average is. Okay. That doesn't mean it's predictive. It. They might, it right. might be both. It might not, right. but they're two different things. You're trying okay. to, where one is describing what occurred and one is trying to predict what occurred. Okay, interesting. So it sounds like you you actually, uh, you've been into sports your whole life. So you're in some ways similar to me in that uh, I've always been really into sports. I, when I learned about fantasy sports as a kid, I got super into it right away. Um, and as you have, you know, obviously as an adult, you've gotten mm -hmm. into the statistics uh, a little bit more. And uh, you're kind of giving me a little bit of hope that I can still up my game a little bit more because I haven't really, you've mentioned on some podcasts that you think people should take uh, statistics courses is, is one place that they should start. And that's something that I honestly haven't really done yet. I think I have sort of an understanding of some basics, but I haven't taken any real statistics courses. So maybe that's something that's next for me. Do you think that was uh, where you really upped your game? Were you already into it before you got into DFS? Or was that something that you kind of got into more when you started getting into DFS? I was into it slightly in DFS after poker. So I, I played poker for a living for about eight years until Black Friday, which was 2011. And then when I realized um, poker wasn't coming back and uh, I needed money in a job and I was still paying, spending money at a poker professional poker player level, which I was young and naive. Uh, I'm like, well, maybe I'll take my, uh, uh, take a crack at beating sports betting. And so like clearly right away, you can, you know, Google for five minutes. You're like, I'm going to have to figure out how to do this and this and this. And that was my first foray into predictive analytics and, and, you know, odds and converting, converting odds, the winning percentages and how does the VIG work and hold percentage and all that type of stuff. Um, and um, that lasted, uh, my girlfriend at the time was, I get I get obsessed with things, so like I spend con constant amounts of times, and she was just like, she was 
fed up with me sitting on my computer, you know, researching all this stuff. And, um, and I would like make contacts with some professional betters who were running syndicates at the time and stuff like that. And, you know, pick their brains luckily, um, on Twitter and stuff like that. And, uh, and then the, the barrier for Americans is so hard. Like I was like, after a few months, I was like, <clears throat> Man, now I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get all these accounts on these shady uh, foreign sites because the European sites would stop allowing Americans. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do I really want to go down this? And then you learn about limiting and banning, and you know, I'm like, what? Like, okay, so then what am I gonna do? And it's like, oh, well, you have to get um, a whole bunch of people to bet for you. I'm like, oh, that'll be easy. Like, no, no. So like, it started getting more and more unrealistic, and I just got a job. So so, so but, when you but, say that the barrier is hard for. Americans, you're not talking about uh, like the learning curve. You're talking about just getting limited and actually being having access to making bets. Yeah, and the books that were available back then, let's say 2013 right. or something, right? There was no DraftKings, FanDuel, Circa, right? Caesars, you know, Bet365, on and on and on. But so like Bet365, you couldn't bet on, but you know, someone in England could, someone in Canada could. Pinnacle, you know. So you'd have to. There are there are legitimate sites like Bookmaker that will. I don't want to like rep any books here i don't really know everything about them but this is what the rumors are there are some legitimate foreign sites that you can bet on but like i just wasn't interested in that you know like um because i would play on poker sites that would go under right and i'd lose like 20 grand here and then like 10 grand here over the years that didn't happen very frequently and i'm like well what's stopping them from doing that yeah on this like is this really am i going to be able am i even good enough you know first of all and i've put in all this time and then do all this for what to end up getting limited so like i kind of just uh kind of just gave up on it but but i learned a lot and that was a long answer to your question of like did you when did you first start getting into it so with the more descriptive analytics of sabermetrics and stuff like that was the first and then the predictive stuff was with sports betting that i didn't take too far and then i just forgot about it all that was that was a long answer. It was a very good, interesting answer. So I appreciate all of that insight. Uh, the the other question I had about your background is in programming. Um, I listened to one uh, podcast you did recently. Might have been the Theory of DFS, where you mentioned that you're somewhat of an expert in Excel, uh, and you also mentioned that you've been doing some programming in the R programming language. Uh, mm-hmm. What kind of training do you have in terms of programming? Any any formal training there? Or is it all also in? Well, actually, training? I did have to take a class in college on Excel. Not a now I think okay. back on it, but Excel I've always done for like the baseball fantasy stuff. Like that first league I was in, uh, you had to do it by hand, right? You had to pump, right. pump go get a baseball weekly and type in what yeah. all the numbers were. And then you put it into a spreadsheet. And so like, I've always messed around with spreadsheets. Um, but yeah, I, once you start taking it seriously, coding for me is not my, uh, f- uh, forte at all. Um, but Excel is kind of like a form of, of code and they, and it has a background uh, VBA language that you can do some like more um, uh, tricky like things with, but most of it, it was just go, how do you do this? Google, how do you do this? Google. And then you do it and you're like, Oh, I forgot how to do that. Google. And you yep. just learn from Googling how to get what you want out of the code. Um, so like I have not, and like my R skills are not that good. So like I learned early on that I could hire someone to, to like build out a better scraper than I could build for dirt cheap and faster. Right. And it's like, it's way, it's well worth my $20 or whatever, depending on the task 
to just go on Upwork or Fiverr or whatever you, service you want to use and hire someone to, um, to, to do what I want. That has its pains, trust me, especially the more, I know, sure. trust me, I know like the more complicated the, the task, the, the harder that becomes. But like there just was like no point for me to, uh, to get that deep in it, especially in, you know, we're talking 20, I, th- I think I started in 2014. So like 2015, right. 2016. And in, in those days, most of my stuff was all on Excel and it was everything from the projections all the way up to an optimizer and all in Excel, no, no outside anything. Right. And you did, so it sounds like you did a lot of Googling to figure out how to do Excel. That was a question that I got last week for Josh, somebody asking, uh, do you have a recommendation for where to start to learn Excel? Uh, and his answer was not really. I just Google it. Is it, is it the same answer for you? My, my brothers are both coders okay. and they, they Google and the professionals like, and they know guys who got jobs and like they, then DM my brother, like, how do you do this? And he's like, here, just Google it. <laughs> so like even the, the people who are working in offices coding for a living are using Google all the time too. So like it's all on there. You just have to, you know, put, put a little uh, you know, elbow grease into it. Okay. Uh, and I think you said that you got involved in DFS. You started playing in 2014. What, what drew you into DFS? You mentioned that you, you know, were already kind of, into sports uh, and you had been in the poker world. So I guess it's kind of a, a natural transition, but tell me a little bit about how you, you know, discovered DFS and how you got into it. Yeah. I remember specifically, it was uh, my, my uh, ex's brother at a party. We were at a family party and uh, he's like, check this out. And he brings his phone. He's like, look at this. And he was in like, you know, a high place in one of the like huge NFL fields. And I, he wasn't getting that much money, but the, the thing that struck me was like 300,000 people play this. And that was all I really needed. Well, I didn't initially, I needed a little more than that, but from there, I'm, um, I know arrogant, I guess is the, the word arrogant enough to think like if 300,000 people are playing this for money, I could beat it. I could beat enough people to beat to beat the rake. I think, cause I'm, I'm, I'm I think I, I'm obsessive enough that I would put the time and effort in, that not enough people would be able to where I could make some, make some cash off of it. But at that time I had a job. So I was like, I don't think I want to do it. And I uh, was telling like one of my buddies who was into sports, I'm like, you got to get into this, man. I guarantee this is beatable. And like, no one was doing it. I told one of my brothers, I'm like, you don't, you, you, you probably make a decent amount of money doing this. And uh, no one was going at it. And I think, I might have my timelines mixed up. I think then um, A.E. Jones, the poker player who went over to DFS, won like $5 million in an NFL final, live final. And I knew five him million? a little bit. He won $5 yeah. million, did you I think it was 5 I didn't realize there were ever prize pools that big. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, fact check me, but I'm pretty sure that's how much it was. And, um, and anyways, I knew him a little bit. And he was a poker player about the same time period I played. I'm like, well, if he can do it, you know. Maybe I should take this more seriously. And then once I did decide that I wanted to beat it, then I really obsessed over it and then okay. went at it. Um, there, there's a Dan Byrne quote uh, in a song, song lyric, it ain't bragging if it's true. So you, you call yourself arrogant for thinking you can beat 300,000 people, but I think you've proven <laughs> that to be the case over time. So I don't think you're arrogant. I think you were just, uh, you knew that you probably had an edge on 300,000 yeah. people. Um, well, I find that makes me more relatable to the little people. 
So I say, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but were you? So, so now, obviously, you can you win big contests all the time. You also win high stakes contests, which uh, is not, which is an obstacle I have not overcome yet. But I'm curious, were you a winning player right away? Was there kind of a, a learning curve for you or did you just kind of immediately uh, have success? I did, I did pretty, I did all right. I did, I did pretty well. Um, there was no optimizer really in those days. So I was like a one, two, three lineup guy. Okay. And like, I would have to put like an X <laughs> I'm remembering back. So I'd like optimize and they would give me one lineup. And like, I want to do two lineups. So I'd X out one guy and I'm like, there's my second lineup. Um, was this in Excel or what? You said all in no Excel, optimizer. yeah. Okay. Optim all right. The optimizer was built in Excel, everything, projections were built. It was, a, it was a behemoth of a spreadsheet. And eventually my computer couldn't handle it. Wow. It would slow the whole thing down and um, totally unnecessarily like I did, whatever I was doing now I just throw in the trash you know it wasn't worth it it was just the games were a lot easier back then but um, I, I was doing you know pretty pretty good um, you know winning winning thousands uh, you know um, and then I had a NFL uh, weekend my, my role was probably like I want to say like 15 probably at that I built built it up I bet like five or maybe more. It was a lot for in play that weekend. And I didn't get my lineups in on time. Oh, no. And I, I had I've just watched, one dummy lineup. I've watched your uh, your Kelly Criterion uh, video, and I don't think you would recommend playing 33% of your bankroll in that video. No. <laughs> I do all sorts of things I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, so did you have your spreadsheet set up before you even started? Like, is that some, like you built out the spreadsheet first before you ever started playing DFS? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had like okay. this, I would come up with a theory and then try to like build, build out based on that. And it was all, you know, and, and like, I would come up with projections and stuff. And like, the, I, I'm trying to remember back my NFL model back then was based on like, um, oh God, um, Something with scoring time. I can't even remember. But yeah, I had like all these, you know, these these uh, theories and I just come up with uh, some sort of model uh, based off of that theory and just roll with it. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Sometimes during Christmas, something magical happens. Hey, Cricket customers. The Max with Ads plan is included with the Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. And this holiday season, Max is the one to watch when you're feeling festive. Son of a nutcracker. Cozy up to all the holiday classics like Elf, 8-Bit Christmas, and the Harry Potter 8 film collection. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. Phone plan streams and standard definition programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details. Okay. Um, and, and you, so, so you mentioned you started off being kind of a single entry player, not playing many lineups, and then you ramped up to uh, playing 5,000 in a day. How, how long did that take for you to ramp up from like single entry to, you know, vo volume where you're putting in thousands at a time? And, and was that like, was that a one thing, one time thing at that point? Or was it, uh, did you quickly get into playing like thousands of dollars a day? Well, after I blew that most of my role, I'm like, well, that's, I'm, I'm done. Uh, I'm going to like, not that I'm not going to stop. 
I just thought like, you can't make back that kind of blunder. Right. Like I just thought I'm just going to bleed this money away or whatever, but I, that didn't happen. Luckily. Um, that was probably like, not, not that long, probably like six months, maybe, maybe less to get, okay. to get up from, I don't remember 500 bucks. Maybe I didn't put much on there. Okay. Uh, and then was it, you know, from, from there on, you were regularly playing, like, when did you start playing, you know, more than two or 3000 a day, every day? When, when, how long would you say it take, took you to get to that point? Not, not that long in 2015, I think I binked the tournament. Okay. Probably my first one might've been late 2014. And then I, and then once then I felt I had enough of a role where I could, you know, play with the money a little bit more. Okay. Uh, so, so you're unique even among top pros in that you play DFS year round. You play every sport without many breaks. Uh, it's a it's a running joke on the Lowell's podcast that you never. Maybe it's not a joke. It's a running commentary that you never take vacations because you are just tied tied to DFS and you don't want to you know give up that kind of time. Uh, so it's not even clear to me when I look at your results what your best DFS sport is because you're kind of on top of all of them. What do you think your your best DFS sport is, and is it also your favorite DFS sport to play? No, probably not. I would say probably MLB. Um, okay. Maybe then PGA. Um, NBA until this year. God damn it. <laughs> uh, NFL is my worst. Okay. And my favorite is MMA, probably. I love yeah, it. I okay. like it. I like MMA. Interesting. Yeah. I know you, you binked a tournament. I was just watching a video uh, that came out after you had binked a big MMA tournament. Uh, what was that, this year? I mean, I mean 2021? Yeah. I, like I, I binked recently. a few in MMA, yeah, two or three probably. Okay. Yeah, I have not had any kind of success in MMA. Um, if you played it out for 100 years, do you still think, what, what do you think would be your best sport if you continue playing DFS? Obviously, probably, we're not gonna probably the same. Probably the same? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've always assumed that NBA over time would become my best sport just by, you know, staying on top of it with, with late swap and stuff. Like I feel like there should be more edge. And, and for me, at least that's like, according to my rotor tracker, that's the most consistently, like, you know, the most number in the top 1% and it's kind of a, a downward curve from there. Uh, so for me, I've always thought it would be NBA, but uh, I could see MLB makes some sense uh, as well, just because the field plays it so wrong, uh, at least in, in the, in the large field stuff. Lots of slates. Yeah, Lots that's also true. That's a good point. Yeah, NFL, you're just even even with 100 years, your sample size is going right. to be so small that even if you play it great, you might not realize your edge. So I guess that makes sense. And le less opponents. Yeah, you realize your point. edge much quicker, assuming all else equal, because you're playing against 300,000 opponents in NFL. Let's say you're your average, and you enter one entry, you're going to win once in every 300,000 years, you know, in that one tournament, right? But in, in baseball, you're looking at like 15,000 opponents. Right. right. So it's significantly less. You're going to win more frequently and you have just so many more slates. And oftentimes day night, there'll be like a four gamer in the afternoon and then six at night. So yeah, more slates, better. 162 yep. games. I like it. Last year was kind of my first year really having any kind of success in MLB. So I'm looking forward to finding out whether that was just a fluke or if I, you know, actually improved my process. Uh, so that'll be looking forward to getting back to MLB for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit of process. So, so I mentioned uh, earlier that I watched one of your, your videos recently. I, I think I've watched most of them at this point. Um, but on your YouTube channel, you have a 
Uh, it's under the, the name Brian Hooper if you want, want to find Brian's YouTube channel. You have a playlist that I, I just recently discovered that you could separate it out, uh, but you have a playlist called DFS Process that currently has 15 short videos. They're all about 10 to 15 minutes long, uh, specifically about DFS and kind of helping people with their DFS process. I found them really interesting and would definitely recommend them to anybody who's serious about DFS. In fact, I've, I've already been recommending them to people just in the, the months since I discovered the playlist. I, I've been, you know, people, people DM me with questions and a lot of time people DM me with like bankroll questions. And I'm like, I am not the guy you want to talk to about bankroll. <laughs> so here's Brian talking about bankroll. You've, you've actually got a couple, I think, uh, bankroll management questions uh, or, or videos on there. So I, I've been sending some of those videos to other people. Um, but I also know because I watch a lot of Lowell's episodes that you're willing to give helpful advice about DFS in general, but you, you're you pretty guarded about the specifics of your process. Uh, you have a pretty involved process and you don't really um, want to talk about all of the specifics of it, but I'd still love to hear about it in general. Uh, before we get into it though, I'm just curious uh, what, what that line is for you. Like what what where is the line of, this is what I am comfortable talking about, trying to help people out with DFS. And here's where I kind of draw the line. I don't really want to get into the specifics of my process. Mm. It's like um, the, the Supreme Court's definition of porn, pornography. <laughs> I, I know it when I see it. Okay. Right? Yep. It's, I, 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 know, I, know when, I know when to stop. All right. I think. I think I'm, I'm skilled enough at this point after a couple of years of being live on a show that yeah. I, I, like, I know I'm going to talk about that. Yeah, I definitely, uh, of, of all the people that I watch on shows, I think that you seem to have the clearest understanding of like, you immediately are just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. Like, I think some people kind of maybe kind of fidget a little bit and like sort of answer the question or half-ass answer the question. I feel like you kind of just know like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get into that process and, you know, I, I can respect that, but I'll still try to ask you some questions sure. uh, before we do. Uh, uh, this might seem obvious, but I'm just, just in case it's not for the audience and, and I might have it wrong. What, what are the negative consequences that you are avoiding by not talking publicly about your process? What are you kind of scared of happening if you, if you do talk about your process? Well, I don't want any, someone else to do the same thing. You know, I, okay. mean, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty, I think pretty obvious. You don't want other people doing the exact same things. Like if you could have the only optimizer on the planet, wouldn't that be pretty beneficial? You know, if somehow <laughs> you could pull that off. And then the moment you go, oh, you could do this thing called an optimizer on your show that goes out to thousands of people. Well, right. you, you're going to lose that edge to at least 10, 20 guys are going to go out and code their own optimizer, you know? Yeah. Something like that. That, that, that does make a lot of sense to me. Uh, the answer I was going for, what, what I was trying to get out of you is I wanted yeah. you to say that you're, you're afraid of creating a monster because you, you've said that on, on many podcasts <laughs> that you're, you're not afraid of... Uh, or it seems to me. So my impression of what, what you've said previously is that you're not really afraid of creating uh, players who are good at the largest field stuff. Uh, what we've yeah. kind of mentioned is that you're afraid of creating players that can beat you in high, high stake stuff. Is that more accurate or, or is, there, is there some of both? You also don't want to create, you know, 100, 100 people who can, you know, crush it at, at the large field stuff too. Yeah, both, both for sure. Okay. Like when you go that, down that list, if you go into FC's... Um, lineup um lineup study you know sort by 150 i'm sure you've done this yep. you don't you don't want to add to that list yep. <laughs> well actually you don't want to add to that list with you giving out your you know best advice right. for sure if yep. they want to do it and they're not very good then you want to add to that list but yeah you don't i, I don't want to add to the list of 150 either but yeah of course you don't want to you don't want an oxen duck coming around and just you know winning everything before he uh 
you know, transports to a different planet or wherever he's from. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're the only person that I know of that is in touch with Ox and Duck. Do, do you talk with him pretty regularly? Him or her, no. I guess I don't. You don't yeah, I don't, I don't know him, her. Um, I mean, um, I'd put money on it's a dude. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, I don't. He might not be human, I think, is probably <laughs> the money odds on, on favorite. All right. Yeah. Is he a robot or an alien or? No, we think he is a uh, like trans-dimensional alien that like morphs into this plane of existence, enters his lineups and then morphs out. Yep. That, I, that's our best guess. That makes a lot of sense to me. I've, I've seen yeah. his lineups. I think his or her lineups. I, I am not going to make any assumptions. Uh, we do have some some top female players as well. Um, although obviously the majority of DFS players are male <clears throat> at this point. Um, I don't think his species has a gender. So you're, you're okay. in the clear. I'm in the clear there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, I feel like when I first heard you talking about how guarded you were with your process, I didn't quite get it. I was like, is this paranoia? Because to me, I'm like, for every one person that can do what you do, I think there are a thousand who can do what I do or in the, in what like what Blender does or like those of us who don't create our own tools. But then the more I've heard you talk about, it, the more I've kind of understood. I'm like, well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's because you have such a special process that uh, the more you give away, the more I think you're at risk of, of somebody figuring it out and really really creating a monster as if somebody could figure out what you do whereas you know a lot of what we do is kind of just instinctual and having an understanding of the tools it's not quite as specialized as what you do so i think i over time have had more of an understanding and i'm like yeah it totally makes sense that you would want to to cover up your process uh, it's also been successful for many years and you know one of the most successful players in the game so definitely makes sense to me that uh that you don't want to create any monsters uh I'm also curious, do you think that you have? Do you, do you think you've realized this fear? Do you think that, you know, you've given out too much and any players have come along that you can see, like, that person had, that person took that from me, learned from me? Uh, and do you think anybody has, you know, become a, a monster based on your advice? I don't know about a monster. I'm, I would guess some people have benefited that are playing high stakes or something. I don't know. People, well, I get a lot. I get, a, actually, I got a lot of DMs over the years of people saying you've helped me so much and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure if they're like, you know, superstars or anything like that. But um, right. I imagine it, it helps a little bit. Like the, it's also, why would I want you in Blender, right, to like add on to your already good process? You know what I mean? Like, like of creating a monster, like guys with a bankroll in this industry who could step it up a little bit more. Not that I'm saying I'm better than you two guys, but like add to oh. your already good process. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why would like that? Of course I don't want to do that. Like, that's kind of why I picture the, like the, the perfect player in my mind is a combination of someone who does something like, like me um, with what petty theft does, at least the way he kind of describes it on our, our show okay. where he's, he, you know, he's putting in, a lot of hours a week and coming up with his own non-industry standard projections. Yep. And I think like, if I could get his numbers, like I'd be destroying it because right. I could plug that into mine, my stuff and just click enter. And he doesn't uh, even do ownership. I mean, we, we talked about that. He's, I think one of the few top players I would think, I guess there are, there are a few that I've heard from who just doesn't factor in ownership at all. And obviously doesn't right. use the same kind of tools as you. So yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me that, yeah, if you combine combine Petty's, you know, unique stuff that he spends a lot of time on uh, with your more, you know, game theory optimized process, that would be, uh, yeah, that would be that's That's where scary. I think that's where I think people should go. At least yeah. that's the direction I think people should go. I don't want to put in 
80 hours a week. <laughs> so I'm not, and even, and even still, I don't think that even guarantees you like that knowledge of uh, useful predictive power. Yeah. He just, he just happens to be in like that 0.1% that can, that can pull right. that off. Not everybody can do what Petty does. Right. Clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to, going to ask you about the 80 hours. Maybe, maybe I'll save that for later. Talk, talking a little bit about the, uh, the 80 hours question. I, yeah. It's a fun I, topic. I had to that, say that to answer, to finish out that thought, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, and so, so back to just getting into process a little more. Oh, and I should say, so you don't want to say that you're better than me in Blender and I, I won't speak for Blender, but I think uh, I can look at the scoreboard and know that you're better than I am at DFS. Uh, and I think that makes sense. I mean, you, you've put in the work, you've, you know, you've got one of the best processes around. So I am not ashamed of being not, not as good as you at DFS, as long as I can also make money, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, but, but let's, let's talk about process just a little bit. Um, so we'll start here. Do you use any simulations? Do you create your own simulations or or use outside simulations for your process? Uh, I, yeah, only my own simulations, yeah. Okay. No no outside, the only outside simulations I know of are run the Sims, I think, right? Yeah, as far as I know, um, I don't know, SaberSim, I guess, I don't know. Oh, if that yeah, I forgot as... about them. Yeah, no, I've, I haven't checked them out yet. Um, the, uh, the, you know, one thing people don't understand is optimizers, when you put randomness on it, is a simulation. Okay. It, it, there's, there's, there's very little difference. Because it just a randomness, and it's on a normal district. No, all of them do normal distribution now. Is very similar to doing a simulation in Excel. It's just each each lineup is one sim. Okay, interesting. So, I guess that that's different from so my understanding of simulations, and obviously I've never done them, so you have a better understanding of this than I do. But so I've always thought of it as being like simulations simulate uh, each. Um, Full lineup. So it'll, it'll simulate each game in creating one DFS lineup. So like there's correlation built in automatically in the simulation in like, so I gave this example last week talking with Josh. Uh, so like if, if the Bucks game, if it's going to be a blowout, if the simulation, you know, calls this game, uh, simulates out a blowout game, all of the starters will lose minutes, all of the backups will gain minutes, uh, and that there's kind of built-in correlations to the simulation is that am, am i uh is that a maybe i'm maybe that's a specific type of simulation that i'm talking about i have very little i don't even know what a monte carlo simulation is here so i'm mm -hmm. kind of talking about my ass but that has always been my the difference in my mind between simulations and optimization is that simulations build in kind of that correlation for you because they're simulating out the individual games um so it's it's a specific type of simulation so you could do okay. either you could do either or Okay. You could do you could do play by play simulations. You could do play full game simulations. You could do fantasy point simulations, which is what a which was what an optimizer does. Right. You could do any mix in between. You could do you could do. I'll make one up for you here. Like your fantasy points based off of the score of the game, and then so then you take the you take the score of the game and then simulate that, and then have the points based off of how, what the game plays out that way. Okay. Just based off of fantasy points, you could do you could do that. That's an idea, and and then you could make that correlated with the the uh, the opponent somehow. You you could do it a million different ways. But okay. technically, a um, uh, if you go to like Fantasy Cruncher's displays and you display the points, because there's a tab yep. there where you could see what actually populated. Yep. Those are all just little simulations. Okay. I've never, I've never thought about that way, but that's really interesting. So uh, you mentioned Fantasy Cruncher. Do you use an optimizer in your process? 
So I, I do, I don't, um, what sport? Let's be specific. Uh, okay. Interesting. Uh, so let, let's start with basketball. It's basketball season now. Yeah. So I don't pre, pre, uh, uh, pre-lock. I don't use an optimizer. Okay. Post-lock, I'm trying to not use an optimizer, but it's way more complicated and it breaks and stuff. So lately, uh, I go, have to go back to FC for late swap. Okay. that's. I was actually thinking about asking you that question about whether it would change after lock, because that would seem like it would complicate things with, you know, some games locking and, and all of that kind of stuff. So that's interesting that you use FC after lock for basketball. Uh, obviously, like golf, you don't really need to use FC then. Is that an example where you don't use any optimizer? Yeah, I don't use optimizer at all for golf. Um, I used to back in the okay. day. Uh, um, everything was through FC, but um, I guess if I did like Showdown or something, because uh, I don't have my my stuff built out for for Showdowns. But um, right. yeah, no, I don't. I don't need it for that either. Okay. MMA, I, I don't need it for MMA. So basically, you, you don't need it for sports that have a lock and there's no late swap. Is that like generally? Do you use it mostly for late swapping? That's the goal. I, if I can, okay. yeah. If I could do it all on my own, then I'll do it on my own. Yeah. Okay. And you you mentioned that uh, you know petty theft is a big part of his process is creating his own projections, and that's kind of where he gets an edge. Do you create your own projections, or or do you aggregate? I, uh, what do you do with your projections? I just want to say petty theft, this, this guy, this guy, this guy, he, had, he carried Carl Anthony Towns, right. When he had 89 yesterday or two days ago, whatever, he had like 80% of them. Did he really? Like every other top pro had like five. Yeah. Anyway, anyways, um, uh, what was the question? I'm sorry. I distracted me. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to make you angry about petty theft. If it makes you feel yeah. better, he beat me in, in a contest last week where he got first for a hundred thousand. Yeah. I got second for 25,000. That's uh, it's kind of a brutal, remember. brutal beat there. So. I saw that. Yeah, so he'll, yeah. he does it to all of us. We all get petty occasionally. Does, does he um, need all the money? I know. Right? Give it you up, know? man. He already won 150000 I actually, I DM'd him, and I said, isn't it about time that you quit? Like, he mentioned that he's not as good late in the season for NBA. I was like, maybe it's time. Give it up. <laughs> yeah, Getting right. tired of seeing him up there. Yeah. I had a good answer for your question, too, though. I can't remember what it was. What did, it what was, did you uh, <laughs> do, do you create your own projections from scratch? Oh, oh, do you right, aggregate? Right, right. What do you do there? Yeah. So when I first started, I created my own projections own everything right like i said even up to the optimizer um and i really yeah and projections was my main focus on everything and there wasn't a ton of good there wasn't a ton of available projections period back then right like basketball monster which they you know their minutes were okay i guess um i'm trying to think if there was there even anything else like roto grinders had some i think just like flat fantasy points that yeah, didn't like update that that quickly anyways yep. And so I'm like, I well, and, uh, and I came from a sabermetric background. So I'm like, I could definitely come up with better stuff than this. And this will be a huge edge, you know, click optimize one lineup, print the money, go on vacation. Yeah. So I, that's how I started. And then, you know, over the years, as the projections got uh, better and better, I've been phasing out my own and just Honestly, it is, it's, it's laziness, tell you the truth. And um, I probably should uh, go back and do my own, but they're getting so good that I don't know if it's worth it. Cause keeping that database and all that info up to date and logging the minutes and everything like that, <clears throat> it's a ton of work. Yeah. So like um, for, for how much benefit, right. you know, it's a cost benefit. Uh, is, is it worth the, uh, 
the, the time in your everyday life, life is that worth more? And so for some of these sports, um, I switched. So NBA, um, NFL, PGA, I still use my own. MMA, I still use my own. Um, what sport am I forgetting? MLB. MLB. What does my sim do now? I switch every year. Uh, no, every ML, okay, MLB, I kind of um, manipulate Cardi's numbers. Okay. Let me take a quick break from this conversation with Brian Hooper to tell you to give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Osmo username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Huh. And, and uh, the projections that you do do on your own, I believe you publish them on your site. Do you, do you always make them publicly available or is that kind of a, a sometimes thing? Oh, yeah. So I do NBA props. That's like pre, um, pre-lock. I have like uh, an old, like uh, my old, my old uh, prop number stuff still working. I don't use those numbers in my okay um, in, your in my simulations for lock, yeah. Okay, but they're they're still they're still they're still pretty good. I'm uh, I don't know what the numbers are on on they are, but I I I, could, I imagine they're probably the best free props out there. Uh, I don't do them every day though, just like when I have time. Okay, it's interesting to hear me say that you to hear you say that you don't always do your own projections anymore because it was I think within the last year you you had a Lowell's episode where you were talking with Pete and you he was like. I don't think many people do their own projections and you were dumbfounded by like the suggestion that only a few people do their own. You were like, no, all the top pros do their own projections <laughs> at that time. Did you, did you kind of switch it up and realize that, you know, maybe I don't need to do this after like kind of learning over time that most of the top pros are not doing their own projections. Was that part no, of unrelated? Okay. Just pure, just pure laziness. Um, laziness is a little too hard to word. Like yeah. I said, is it, it, how much EV was I getting compared to, to their numbers right it just didn't seem worth it in some of those sports so exit out just use their stuff ownership i don't do nba ownership anymore like i still have it i could still do it like yeah and plus like i mean i mean i have my old model but even if i didn't i could build one in five hours i have the skills right. um i just don't want to keep up keep up with it and then also with sim simming takes time right so like I have to get my process down perfectly so where I can sim it fast enough with late NBA news right? and going and doing and updating all my ownership and stuff like that. Like it's not as much, I'd much rather just, just use Osmos and I don't necessarily use Osmos ownership in my sim process. Okay. Um, anyways, I'm like kind of switched more to uh, like a GTO approach, um, which doesn't really need a, a ownership percentage. Um, Interesting. Okay. But, uh, I, so that, that surprised me to hear you say that. So GTO game theory, optimal. Um, mm -hmm. I would think that ownership is a big, plays a big part in that. Um, maybe if I push you too hard on this, this is where you're going to say, I don't want to get into it, but yeah, uh, I probably will. But like, I'm okay. trying to think of, uh, you know, honestly, this is one of the part of not making monsters. When I listened to nerdy tenors podcast, uh, yeah. with blender yep. and he said he uses, um, uh, I, I think he was talking about the national equilibrium or something like that. And uh, he was saying, you know, you don't, what was the phrase he used? Um, 
like you could play you could play optimal instead of exploitive. Okay. And I and I said I think I tweeted out I'm like that's not you can't do that in DFS. And then okay. I thought about it for a day and I'm like and I made out this little this is how I do it is like if you if you read um, the mathematics of poker or even like Van Newman Newman did this uh, you know he wrote the original game theory book you make a small game and then beat that. It's like my yep. ownership video, yep. like my first videos on ownership. Yep. Um, and so I just made a small game and beat that to show how ownership works. Because even yep. back then, Neil, people didn't, a lot of people, I'd say at least 30% of people still didn't think ownership mattered at all. Right. At least 30%, probably more than that with the public, probably 70%. Um, and so anyways, so like I made up my own little mini game and uh, I'm like, oh shit, he's right. <laughs> and then, oh. so then from there, I like, adjusted things and like i don't need to do this ownership piece anymore okay and then blah blah yeah. so what i'm gonna did you miss your deadline to renew your medicaid coverage you can still send your completed annual review form to healthy connections medicaid you may be assigned to another health plan but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed medicaid eligibility it's your family it's your choice First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Sometimes during Christmas, something magical happens. Hey, Cricket customers. The Max with Ads plan is included with the Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. And this holiday season, Max is the one to watch when you're feeling festive. Son of a nutcracker. Cozy up to all the holiday classics like Elf, 8-Bit Christmas, and the Harry Potter 8 Film Collection. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. Phone plan streams and standard definition programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. So like my way of playing, which is very focused on the ownership, you would call an exploitative style rather than a yeah. game theory optimal style. Yes. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I, those are uh, terms that I guess I didn't fully understand. I've, I've always kind of assumed that exploitative was kind of within game theory optimal is like kind of a part of it but uh that's that's really interesting yeah your, your ownership video i would definitely recommend to anybody you talk about how you know ownership is more important at the uh lower ownership level so like there's a bigger difference between one percent and five percent than there is between obviously like 60 and 70 percent and you, you kind of talk about right. that and i found that really fascinating so i would uh definitely recommend that to anybody who's you know trying to learn dfs is really fascinating stuff um yeah the, the nerdy tenor video i remember that was after i think you did a show shortly after that came out the uh, nerdy tenor did an interview with uh jordan cooper on the theory of dfs and then you did a show maybe later that day or the next day and rinpak was in your chat talking about you know how much he gave away how much yeah. information he gave away uh so that was funny to me and i was kind of like man but that, that was kind of where I first started thinking, like, can anybody do what he's doing, though? I didn't understand half of what Nerdy Tenor said. Like, your, your average guy probably can't copy that. But I guess that's, uh, again, your fear isn't guys like me who don't have any background in statistics yeah. and programming. It's the guys that do that you're kind of a little bit more worried about, I suppose. I said that on the show, I think. A commenter is like, he's like, I'm not going to do any of this. I'm like, I'm not worried about you, guy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you're not the guy I'm worried about. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, and, and so your tool. So we talked about you You have some programming experience. You're pretty good with programming. But uh, how much of the programming do you do yourself? Do you hire programmers for most of it? Yeah. I mean, I know that you do for some, um, but what's, I do, what's the ratio there? I do like like 1% of it. Okay. 
Yeah. And, and also, do you, do you need to understand kind of the programming, how it works to be able to, to know what's possible and to like kind of direct other people that, to do things? That is a problem because that's why I like doing mine in Excel. All the stuff in Excel, I did a whole bunch of. I, I've, done, I've done a bunch of models with uh, our, our mutual pal, Steve Buzzard. Um, and in Excel, um, the benefit is you could see everything so easily when it breaks and, or when you screw something else, something up. And in R, it's really, it's tough hmm. to see it working that way and what's broken and what's not. Um, so that is, that is kind of lame. I mean, the, the, the GTO way of programming would be to learn the code and do it all yourself. Right. Um, but, uh, but I didn't do that. And, um, you know, cause I also too, like, I want, I'm, I want my, I want my ideas, like, let's do it now. Like, I want to see what, if right. this will work, you know? Yep. Is this what I, what am I thinking? Is, is this right or is this wrong? So um, I guess it's impatient, but I don't know. We got to like, you got to react fast in DFS, right? You got to, yeah. The games are changing. They're getting harder. So spending six months learning R is not, yeah. you know, something I'm super interested in. I know this isn't what you, uh, what you mean when you say you've got to be fast, but uh, it kind of brings me back to a question that I had a, a minute ago, which is, so with your simulations, if you get breaking news for NBA, like, five minutes before lock are you able to then like run a sim that fast like is, is five minutes too short five. of a time period you can do five i can do five okay and i can i can half ass three okay um it's pretty quick okay but i sacrifice i made my my nba model is very simple okay my nfl so you... model takes 20 minutes for 2000 sims okay yeah and that, i mean luckily for nfl you typically have all of the news an hour and a half before lock so you it's still not enough time honestly i have to speed it up but with the nfl you need a i, I think you need a more complicated model and it's best for mma and um pga hmm. okay interesting because you could just let you could just sit let it run right you got you got a full day I mean, in the PGA, they don't tell you who's hurt anyways, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, so. that's true. Right. Yeah, MMA, I suppose, occasionally you get uh, fighters out. Due to, I mean, I guess maybe that's just more of a COVID thing. It that's what I was just going to say. Outside of COVID that frequently. I was just going to um, say that, yeah. Yeah. And are you – so So I didn't uh, – I'm curious if you um, – are you a 150 lineup guy or are you a – if you're, you know, doing two different contests that are 150 max each, do you do 300 lineups? So how do you approach that? Um, I would say for the majority of my career, like vast majority, 95%, it's 150 and enter. Okay. I, I, I got an argument, I think on Twitter a while ago, somebody, I said like the difference between your 200th lineup and your 20th lineup is not as much as you think. And they're like, oh, no, no, yes, it is. Uh, you don't know how to play DFS. And uh, I mean, I, I don't think there's a huge difference between that, that those lineups so entering them into two is, I think, completely, completely fine. Um, you know, like I, like I say this on, D, uh, on Lulz all the time, is the DFS gods came down from heaven and gave you the perfect process and projections for prediction, you know, without actually giving you the answers. You would just make 150 and enter that and everything. But we don't, we don't have that, right? We're guessing right. here. So you have to be a little bit humble. And then you could, I think entering 300 is – the, with the benefit you get in diversification, 
the theoretical EV you may or may not have lost because you're not a perfect predictor is fine. I just don't, I don't like doing it. <clears throat> I don't want the FOMO of, you know, oh, I yeah. won 5K in the jab step and then lost 100K in this, you know. <clears throat> do you, do you, and, so uh, I've asked this question a few times of other guests. Do you enter contests where the top prize is like $5,000? It depends. Um, yes. Okay. But it depends. If I'm in, if I'm, if I'm running hot and, um, I like, I really adjust based on how well, uh, how poorly or well I'm doing. And if I'm just entering everything, I'll just enter everything. <clears throat> okay. So that would include the five, the five K, the five K ones. Um, I don't know how much plus EV they are. There's a lot of good players in those, but yeah, I, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I've done a button. Okay. Yeah. I've got, I've got 300 golf lineups going currently uh so i'm uh, more on the side of just run out a bunch of lineups and hope to win something but that's also because I, I i don't enter stuff where the prize isn't at least typically i don't enter stuff where it's under like fifty thousand. i did play pga FanDuel today as well sometimes i'll go obviously lower um but i i'm never gonna i, I don't enter contests where i would have regrets winning it <laughs> so so i don't really run into that think, as much i think the gto strategy is adjusted based on contest and contest size I've put a decent amount of thought and work into that. And um, I think it's harder than, than people think it is, uh, at least through this kind of more of a, uh, like a simulation algorithmic approach. Like mm -hmm. if you're just sitting there building by hand, maybe it's not hard for you. But like, I think it's a lot harder than it looks. And if you just like look at the, the NBA's big one every night compared to the so like the $15, you know, 30,000 people in it versus the $700, whatever, 300 people in it. Mm -hmm. You know, the best lineup wins is about the same one in both of them at this point. Like, yeah. so like you kind of just got to pray your best lineup happens to be in that big one. Yeah. Uh, the way, the way things are going. Now, now, granted, the GTO approach is probably to figure out some sort of solution for, for mass entering across multiple contest sizes appropriately but like the way it's been playing out lately it doesn't matter you just need your best lineup to luckily be in both of them yep yeah so i, I definitely uh if i'm entering like a, a qualifier like a dk live qualifier kind of thing i'm definitely going to enter the same lineups i have in the other one because it, it, it's always shocking to me how good the top lineups are even in those like there's like 80 people in the field and it'll be like near the nearly the same score as the score it takes to win the 30,000 field. It's, uh, I think some of the, the high stakes players are pretty good. So yeah, I definitely have found that to be the case as well. I think that the, one of the biggest pieces of alpha, I guess I could give without giving away too much away is like the po portfolio theory is piss poor and DFS like commentary and advice. I won't really, I don't really want to get into it, but I would definitely say like, look in the, look, look down there if you want. And I think you could figure out some uh, interesting ways to enter your lineups. The portfolio theory? Yeah, like like a portfolio, like of, okay. of looking at your all your entries as as like one thing. Like, okay. okay, how do I make the best of this one thing? Okay. Interesting. All right. So we, we won't dive into it just yet. Maybe uh maybe you'll get into it on another video for Lowell's or something, figure out a way to explain a little bit more without giving away too much edge. Um, 
I'm trying to figure out if I understand what you what you have to what you're hopefully what you you mean by that exactly. All right, <laughs> maybe I'll figure it out later, and I'll uh, it'll click later on what you mean exactly by that. Um, I, I think so. So when you say the portfolio theory, I think you mean like the I have 30% of this guy across all my lineups. I have 20% of this guy across all my lineups. Is that kind of what you mean, like uh, building out a portfolio of like players as opposed to? No, you're shaking your head. No, yeah, lineups. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. <clears throat> all right. Well, uh, maybe maybe you'll put out another video to explain this, or maybe you really uh, are. I probably will, but okay. not for a while. All right. All right. Sounds good. Um, one more uh, a listener question here that uh, we'll see if we can get an answer out of you. Uh, wanted advice on creating ownership projections. He says, I know he makes his own for PGA. Does he make them for other sports too? And where would he recommend starting if you want to make your own ownership projections as well? Um, yeah, I do ownership projections for, I do, on my, my site, I do MMA and PGA because it's easy. I do it anyways, and I could do it whenever I want. NBA, I, I have, I have my old stuff, but I don't see the point. It's not, we went over this already. Um, so for, uh, building your own, just download a bunch of CSVs with ownership, map them up with, this is going to be the simplest. It won't be better than going to Osmo, but it'll get you on the right track. And then map them up with the other data points for that day. Fantasy points, projections, whatever can you can think of. And then put all those in one column and then just run a regression on the ownership for that day. And then you could see in the regression numbers and you could Google regression, linear regression, what was... Uh, you know, what had a low p-value, which means it's very unlikely to happen at random chance. What was the r-value for each statistic that you did? Some of them will not be predictive at all, and you could remove them, and you just do process of elimination. And then from there, you start Googling more uh, stat uh, uh, tricks, I can't, for lack of a better word, yep. on how to even make that more and more accurate and get your r up to something that is worthy and predictive of not using Alex's numbers, which is not that easy to do anymore, but you can definitely, you can do it. Um, like Steve, like Steve Buzzard, he thought his ownership numbers were better than Osmo's before he joined the team. And I yeah. think he was right. I think he had the date on it. Yeah. Um, so you could, you could definitely do it. Um, and if you don't want to spend that money, then you just got to put in the legwork, but that's, that's, uh, and you, you could do it. You could do it a bunch of other ways too. Right. Um, mine's yeah. Mine is basically that process, but uh, you know, I've I've done it for for many years, so I have a lot of tricks in the bag to 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 get my R up pretty high on some of these sports. Right. Um, but yeah, that that's all you really need to do. My and mine I could do with like like simulations a little bit too, and and mess okay. with it. But there's so, there's no, a couple ways to do it. Blender has said to me uh, that he thinks that it's largely based on the projections of a site. Like, so, so the ownership projections that come from Osmo, he would say largely come from the Osmo projections. So players that they project better are also going to have higher ownership projections. Um, I don't feel like that's always the case in, in my experience with Osmo. I think there are some times where I get a lot of a certain player that uh, is only projected for 5% ownership or something. Do you think that that is a big part of it for like the, the public uh, ownership uh, project ownership projections. Do you think that a big part of it is the projections on that site itself, or do you think that that's just kind yeah. of one component of it? Well, let me let me give let me 
to answer that and then give you a tip too for building these out. So if you do what I said, you start building up this historical database of ownership projections with the players accompanying fantasy points from Osmo or fan, wherever you get your number from in Osmo. And then when you run the regression, it'll tell you how much of that number is predictive of this ownership number. And I guarantee it's, it's correlated and helpful to your R to leave sure. Osmo's numbers in there. So Bales, uh, John Bales, who writes the Fantasy for Smart People books, the series, right? Everyone knows Bales, right? I, I haven't read it, but yeah. Anyways, right. in, in one of his NBA ones, I remember reading this years ago when I was making models at the time, and he said uh, NBA totals, team totals aren't correlated to player fantasy points. And he's right, but he's wrong. So, like, if you did that process of fantasy points and the team total and then run a regression on those two columns, the R is going to be extremely low and it's going to feel like it's not predictive. But if you divide that total by uh, the amount of minutes in the game and multiply it by the player's minutes, it becomes extremely predictive now, right? Mm -hmm. So it's how you use the number. Okay. So you... So you have to be creative in figuring these things out. You don't just go, Osmo predicts 65. Oh, it doesn't seem like that has a good R. Well, maybe there's another way to do it. Maybe value. Maybe that divided by salary. Maybe something else. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, that, I, I think that's, if I were to ever try to make my own projections, the first place I would look is team totals to, to figure out, you know, kind of how a, a projection is, differs from the player's typical average projection. Uh, so that's uh, that's really interesting. That's a good good tidbit. I feel like that those were helpful answers about that question. I wasn't I wasn't sure if you were going to want to answer that question about how to start making ownership projections, well, but if, I guess it's general. If there enough. weren't good ownership projections out there, I probably wouldn't have. But it's right. like at, at this point, yeah. go ahead. I don't care. And, I, and also I'm like moving on to more GTO strategy anyways. So yeah. hopefully maybe the exploitive way is like less EV and then I can get more people doing a less EV strategy or something. Maybe I'm doing it for my own Machiavellian benefit here. That makes sense. I, I would believe that. I've watched <laughs> enough of your videos. I, I would wouldn't put it past you. Um, so so getting uh, into some more more general DFS questions. This one uh, I find I, I really want to ask you about this because I've brought you up specifically uh, in asking this question to other other pros a few times, other guests that I've had on here uh, about the concerns about DFS as a profession dying out. Being a professional DFS player, you've kind of expressed that you have concerns about the edge shrinking and or the game shrinking because uh, now sports betting is kind of becoming a bigger thing across all states. And it's pretty clear that DraftKings and FanDuel are kind of maybe more interested and maybe maybe can make more profit in some ways off of sports betting. It might be a, you know, a faster growing industry than DFS. So you've kind of, in, in both of those ways, expressed some concerns. You, I think you said on a video recently that you would not recommend it. If somebody came to you uh, asking about how to become a pro at DFS, you would not recommend it to them. I, I believe you said on one Lowell's episode. Now, I don't know how serious you are about that. So I wanted to have you on and, and ask you about that, um, whether it's a real concern for you. Like, do, do you really think that the edge is shrinking enough that, you know, to start now you're too far behind and you probably shouldn't give it a shot or is it, you know, something that you're kind of expressing a potential concern? Uh, how, how big is that concern for yeah. you? Yeah. That's a lot of questions I want to answer in on that, but like the first, at the end, we'll go first. Like I, if someone asked me, well, I think that's just kind of like a law of averages of like someone come up to me, like, 
should I be an MLB pitcher? I like, you know, probably you shouldn't, you know, like, are All you right. six, six? And can you throw like a hundred miles an hour at 16 years old? Well, you know, maybe you should go at, it, you know what I mean? It's like, are you like super obsessed with things? Do you, have you been like really good at something typically nerdy, <laughs> you know, video games, card games, you know, an instrument, maybe uh, whatever you, you know who you are. You like, right. If uh, what I'm talking about, like, and, 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 and don't, and, and you can't be like, do you ever have that friend who thinks they're good at something? And, and you're like, you're like, he's not that good. <laughs> not that good. Yes. Right. You know, or whatever, like even like darts or pool right. or something, something, you know, like, um, so you know who you are kind of, I think. So if like, you are that type of person, I hope I answered like this on the show and then, then yeah, take a crack at it. But like, okay. yeah, but for most people, you're like, you're not making, you're, you're, it's a very highly competitive industry and most people won't succeed. So there, therefore law of averages, you probably shouldn't enter was more like I was going for there. Okay. Now with the, with the future of DFS and sports betting, I think it's naive to think that it's going to remain, um, you know, the super plus EV thing. I think it's gotten less. Now, granted, I'm in a downswing. So, like, I'm probably more <laughs> pessimistic than, like, Alex just wins a million then just, you know, he's right. just doing, like, million-dollar parlays. and just Travis Petty right now is saying it's easier than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ox and Duck, when he comes to the planet eventually, he's going to be like, right. no, no, it's not hard. You're just doing it wrong. Yep. So, like, what do I know? But, like, uh, I, I think it's just naive the way poker went with the way the sites are getting better and better information and hiring sharper and sharper people. Um, that That is just, like, a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, Blender's argument is a s- solid one of just, like, there's a lot of dummies, Brian. There's a lot of dummies. <laughs> like, there's a lot of people who are just going to enter in. I think they're going to outweigh the VIG. Fine, but, like, there was a lot more dummies before and the more, the better. And I think that number is going to shrink. And that leads me to like the second part of that answer is I'm worried about regulatory capture in the, the, the government protecting these few companies against competition. And then the promotions dry up, the rake increases, and there's nothing we can do. Maybe they start um, kicking out the winning players. It's yeah. uh, already happening on, on certain sites uh, yeah. that we shall not name. And, um, no, I don't want to name them. Trust me. I don't care about yeah, awesome <laughs> advertisers. I don't want to be named. Um, the, uh, uh, but anyways, the, so like, like uh, I think all that mixed together and listen, you know, we're gamblers. We look at things on a probabilistic scale. I think it's more likely that it gets down into the digits where variance isn't worth it. Even if it is plus EV, I think I'm, I'm you know, I'm saying, I would say 60, 70% likely on that 30% miscellaneous, whatever, you know, 5% chance it stays pretty, pretty darn good where enough people are making a living. Um, and I'm not in the poker world anymore, but I'd like to see like how many people are actually making a living there. I think also DFS and poker are different because you could, it's, it, you could, you could solve DFS a little easier than poker, it's not like just you one-on-one, you know, remembering all this GTO info, like you kind of are clicking buttons more. Um, yeah. So I would say uh, like I, what I just summed up, I'm like on, on the probabilistic scale of, of outcomes, I definitely am more pessimistic and think eventually, I don't know, five years or something, it'll, there's a very good likelihood that for most people, um, the variance, even if it's plus EV, won't be worth it. 
Okay. So you, you're, I was going to ask you about your time frame here. What you, we kind of think, you think five years is uh, about what you would guess where it's kind of like, do you think you'll be done playing DFS in five years? I don't know. I'm trying to think like, like, look, look at DraftKings, right? With their stock, Jason Robbins attitude, attitude in his comments. Yeah. Like he's desperate to win. He, he really doesn't, he really does not like in that stock dropping clearly by his comments. They said delete these tweets. He's already said they don't want winning players. Right, he was talking about yep. sports, but that doesn't matter. It carries right. over. And Although it is, it is a, a a little bit different in that they don't take rake from sports betters, right? So they they lose more. They they don't lose necessarily as much from winning players in DFS. Would you agree it's, with that? It's a it's it could be the in the mind of the person, the perception of the person's mind. He okay. could say, "No, you are take this is a lot of poker play. Poker companies think this. No, you're a winning player, so we need to kick you out so the losing players don't lose as fast." And then they okay. keep and then they keep buying in. It depends on your your point of view. Right. I think I think it is um, more uh, like a Pareto principle graph where it's just eighty percent of the outcomes are from twenty percent of the people. And if you lop off a certain percentage, you're just kind of zooming in on a Pareto graph. If people can picture that or just Google it. Yep. Um, uh, uh, but anyways, it like it's his mindset. Right. It doesn't matter. Like he's saying, it doesn't matter. Like I don't want winning players. So right. like, I don't care. I just want to make money essentially. Yep. So like that, okay, well then the rake going to levels that can't be beaten is on the table by, yep, by sure. it follows that logic. Right. Yeah. So um, like they're, they're, they're close to a, what, a duopoly at best yeah. in the country. And so once he gets to that point where he's like, I need to make some damn money, even if it might not be in his best interest, I need the numbers to go up for the quarterly meeting or something like that. Who knows what they'll do? Um, <clears throat> how far away is that? You know, I don't know, not that far away. Maybe they fire him, but I'm not, I wouldn't even be too optimistic that they got, they would get somebody else in that would do anything any better. Right. Um, and again, it's a, a, on a scale, like I could be wrong. You know, whatever. It could really be some other wrong. outcome. It yeah. could be some other outcome. You know, I think they should do like the, the DFS pools, but they're not legal in every state. Like the sports betting pools. Like uh, they're legal in Colorado, I know. Uh, I don't know if they're legal in, in – you're in Minnesota, I think, right? I'm in Minnesota, yeah. Do you guys have the pools you can buy into? I don't think I know what you mean. There's a pools tab on DraftKings' website. And so it's kind of like DFS, but with like pick em pools. Like uh, – Okay. Um, huh. The, the, you, there's free ones you can look at. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. And check Actually, it out. Actually, I'm in the. I did the uh, the Onyx tier. Uh, yeah, me bracket, too. Which is under that same tab. It's the first time I've ever seen that. I think tab. I went 0 and 3 to start. Um, I started off three and I literally did zero research. I watched your video after creating it. <laughs> your video from yesterday. Uh, I didn't use any of the info. I literally I, I went through and I like picked not at random because I like know like, I can see the seeds and stuff, but like right. largely I, I don't know these teams. I know nothing about them. Right. And I started off three and oh, so we'll, we'll see how that well, goes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for your 0-3 start after. I mean, you guys, you had a pretty good process. Did, did you use the uh, the lineup that you created on Lowell's yesterday? Um, well, Pete entered it into something. I don't know. Okay. You asked, yeah, but yeah, no, I, mine was, mine was different. Whatever I put mine in. I, I did like three or four of them, but it was all based basically the same with a couple switches. Okay. Houston kind of going kind of far. Um, yeah, it just seemed like some of those spots were like no-brainers. And we're also assuming ESPN's ownership is sharp. Um, it probably is, though. It's probably straight from their, their database. You think so, like as people are entering their pools, they're updating it? <laughs> like they, yeah. they see what people have done? You think they really? Maybe. 
I mean, I think ESPN probably was. I think ESPN probably just updates it once a day. Like, here's the pools. Here's what everyone entered. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if it's if it's sharp, then some of those plays were just like, you get you can get a favorite with seventeen points of leverage or something on the money line. It's like just take them. Yeah. All right. So so you think pools might be more in the future maybe they, they need to maybe. just go different directions a little bit to try to increase their profit uh, i think i think the only solution is competition you yeah. need you need people driving um this is why like i hope like super draft succeeds and these other smaller sites but they don't really seem like they can get legs fantasy draft was really good but covid just ended them they had yeah. a great they had a great site man i love that site that when that went under that that was a bummer but yeah. um if, if CBS or some big player, they almost jumped in a few years ago. If some of these big players don't, don't jump in, um, it's, it, you know, there's not gonna be enough competition for them to, you know, why would you, why wouldn't you just do whatever you want? And like, there's no, there's yeah. no other game in town. And like you said, duopoly right now is kind of the best case scenario. Like in, in a lot of ways, FanDuel just doesn't care. They've kind of thrown in yeah. the towel. It's the I'm worst really kind of duopoly. It's a yeah. heavily regulated market. Yep. It's not like Legos. You know what I'm saying? Like, who cares if Legos is a du- is a monopoly, right? It's it's a it's because they have the protection of the government. So, like, I mean, you can't start a DFS site, right? right. We'll get arrested. And like, okay, yeah. let's let's do it the legal way. Okay, well, you need two million dollars in each state to just even apply, and then right. you need to know people and pay lobbyists to get to to get it involved. It's like, oh, it's not worth it, you know. So, like, someone like even the means, like, even if like Osmo got bigger and wanted to invest in that like is it even worth it you know cost them an arm and a leg like so right competition's artificially uh lower with uh with all these regulations and since it's a sin industry no one cares they're like you guys are just degenerate gamblers so who cares yeah you want to hear more opinions like this listen to lowell's because (laughs) because ryan gets into this pretty frequently on lowell's i know your opinions on regulations and things i think that the most optimistic thing you said though though was uh CBS could get involved. ESPN could get involved. Like there is ESPN is involved. In, ESPN in owns DraftKings, basically. Oh, do they really? <laughs> okay, so that's not. Uh, yeah, they, was, they were heavy early that. early investors. Okay. Yeah, didn't realize that. Um, but so so maybe the the best case scenario for us is that more companies get involved. I guess is uh, right, and it's not going to be like for. user friendly companies, but like at least it'll be. Yeah. At least they, at least they can't just do whatever they want. Let me take a break from this conversation with Brian Hooper to tell you about our sponsor, Nohos Advantage. Nohos Advantage is bringing you a different way to enjoy DFS with player props contests. It's 100% peer-to-peer to help level the playing field. With over 500 player props offered and all new users get a $25 deposit bonus with promo code AWESOMO. That's A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Nohos Advantage has mass entry capability and big prize pools. Beat your friends, not the house. Use our Nohos Advantage projections and optimal lineup tool to help you take down big prizes. Download in the App Store or play on nohosadvantage.com. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. 
Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, so I, I guess that's what we're hoping for. Uh, yeah, always, always, uh, you know, downer to think about the possibility that DFS will not be uh, a game where you can have an edge in five years. And you also mentioned on a, a show recently that um, you know maybe the, the time frame might be even shorter for guys like me who are not doing our own stuff. Like maybe, uh, maybe I need to start doing a little bit more of what you're doing, creating my own stuff to you know maintain an edge in three years like maybe maybe we'll get to the point where just using like the approach that i use that blender uses that even like a hubro guys who we're not creating our own stuff maybe we are going to need to uh, update our approach to stay on top of the game as it gets better i think you guys should stay exactly where you're at don't do anything you're fine yeah everything's gonna be fine just keep no i mean you i would think um this is just my personality like i'm constantly tweaking and coming up with well what about this what about this and then you know maybe i should go back and use my numbers, not theirs. And maybe some, maybe there's a combination of things I could do here. And every year my, my um, uh, process is almost completely revamped, even if I had a great year. And so uh, like, I guess that's my advice, but like maybe that doesn't work for everyone, but uh, I would definitely like uh, put some time into coming up with, with a new, new strategy like uh i mean i don't know like you, you have to have some sort of goal like obviously right like something like that you're going like okay how am i going to do this what is what am i going to do and then like put all that in the um into action so like that's harder than this but like that i would definitely i would definitely do something yeah yeah i mean you mentioned that uh you're pretty obsessive and you, you've said on the podcast and you just kind of said that like you, you change your process like weekly which to me i have an issue with if I am winning, then I'm like afraid to change my process sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, I play every slate differently, but like for, for showdown in particular this year, I had a great NFL showdown year, mostly at the beginning of the year. And then it was like later on in the year, I was kind of like, well, I know that I could improve this, like make different groups in, in fantasy cruncher, for example, but I've had so much success where like, I would have maybe precluded some things or I don't know. So, so I was like kind of afraid to change my process, but mm-hmm. I think that's good advice that like you do kind of need to always be changing and improving even if you have had success with what you, with what your process is. Uh, and that's something that I'm still kind of, I still grapple with that. Like, I'm like, well, but I've been doing well. So do I really want to change what I'm doing uh, when I'm on, when I'm on a, when I'm doing well. So like right now I'm on kind of a downswing. So I'm like, maybe I need to change. You know, I'm, I'm more open to changing things when I'm on a downswing, but it sounds like for you, that's not even really a consideration. You're kind of changing things. Yeah. Way. That, that seems like a mental bias that like would be in fooled by randomness. I don't know if you ever read that book. But like, it would work the opposite way too. So like, if you were doing poorly, and then you change something and you did poorly, and then so then you go back the next night, 
and you change it back and then you do poorly. Like, oh, I should have done that one that day and then the other one the other day. Maybe it was the wrong day to switch. So like it works the same way whether you're winning or losing. So it actually can make more sense to change when you're winning. It's like, oh, I just won. Maybe I was getting lucky and this new thing's even better. Now I'll change and get lucky again on this new thing and win two days in a row. So like you could rationalize it either way. It doesn't really matter. It's really like, are you uh, are you providing more uh, uh, plus EV process? Right. If, if you if the answer is yes, you do it. Right. Like if yeah. we were robots, but like if you're gonna if you're gonna ruin your night, if you're gonna be in a bad mood, you know, and all these real life issues, you know, then don't 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 be like me. But like, you could easily rationalize either way. Um, uh, doing it when you after you just won or after you just lost in both ways. Yeah, it, make, it makes a lot of sense, and obviously, it's it's rational to to know that like you could you should be making changes for the better even when you're winning. So what what you're saying makes a lot of sense. It, it's it is like you said, just kind of a mental bias sometimes for me, and I think a lot of people struggle with that kind of like not wanting to change things that are working. Um, but I think the hardest thing is the hardest thing is doing it in the off season. Yeah, which is when you should be doing it then, because then you don't care, right? And you put in the work, but like during the off season, you're playing another sport, you don't care. The data's not handy. You didn't save enough from the season to redo it. Um, so, like, if you are a go-getter and prepared and saved all your data, then just do it in the off-season. So this is this is leading nicely to my next question, which is getting back to the, the chess is okay, okay quote uh, or claim that uh, you need to work 80 hours a week to be successful at DFS. I don't know if that's actually what he said. That's kind of what, what uh, we've been throwing around is what he said. He, meant, he just said something along the lines of when he was – on top of his game at DFS, he was playing 80 hours a week. And that's been kind of a, a regular conversation that DFS players have had. Some pros have been like, yeah, I, I do work 80 hours per week. Uh, others have been on the other side of it said that's, you don't really need to work anything close to that. Um, I'm curious what, what side you fall on. Do you, do you think working eight hours a week is necessary to be on top of the DFS world? It's kind of like when I thought every top, player did their own projections i i would have said 80s too much you don't definitely don't need that but like i, I got steve buzzer disagrees with me petty yeah. theft disagrees with me um i think someone else told me too they disagree with me um and so hey maybe maybe i'm wrong there too um but the i i personally thought 80s a little ridiculous i mean when you add in when you add everything together like maybe, maybe like, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot, like for NBA, you're there all night, yeah, all the way up to lock. You're there at least an hour or two before game time. And like you, you want to set up your spreadsheets, make sure that everything's working. And if you're going to do your own numbers, like for minutes, not even projections, you probably want, or you have to enter, you know, if you're playing four sites or whatever, sure. you get, that'll take you half an hour at least. Right. right. Um, uh, you know, what else do you got to do? You know, check promotions, you know what I mean? Like, see yeah. if you got to uh, maybe, you know, email somebody. Are you answering DMs from other players? Do you count that? You know, like, if you're counting everything, do I, does my podcast count? Does, right. the, does the two minutes of preparation me and Pete do every day count? Right. Um, you know, so like, uh, uh, yeah, sure. Okay, fine, 80 hours. I mean, I would guess it's probably more like 50 and then like high weeks are 80. Uh, I mean, I was surprised that that episode and that specifically that comment was so 
it, 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 like viral throughout the industry anyways obviously not on the internet but like right. through the dfs nerd industry uh everyone <laughs> everyone had an opinion on it so yeah yeah but well, look, just... i just have a rule of thumb like when when someone you know someone who's clearly like smart or i respect you know completely disagrees with me i just okay Maybe maybe I'm wrong on this, and I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm gonna think about it. And my opinion wasn't like um, that, you know, set in stone. Like, no, no, 80 hours is negative EV for sure. You know, I was just like, I just think that was probably an exaggeration, and I don't think you need that to be to be the best. You know, and I'm still, yeah. you know, whatever, 50 50. Okay. So so that was uh, so you mentioned that you think that you work maybe 50 hours a week, up to 80 hours on the high end. Is that about where you're at right now? You think? No, that's what I was thinking. He does. Oh, I was okay. okay. What, what do you think you're at then? <laughs> I'm at like 50 minutes. No, um, I probably, I don't know the way what I just described is what I do. So, right. like, like two hours before I'm at my computer, all the way through lock, enter. Uh, I'll probably do an extra hour or something before lock, depending, like reviewing lineup study or some other thing, making sure my, because I, I have. I live between two places. So like I got to make okay. sure my computer's working right. And mine's in the simulations beat up your computer. So I, I like to yeah. run it, make sure it, it's not going to crap out on me. Um, so however many hours that is, I don't count. Okay. And do you also, your process, uh, you obviously done a lot of the legwork already because you've already, you know, created the simulator and, um, you know, created your model so do you think that you save yourself a lot of work and, and you also hire programmers to do certain things so maybe you can work less because you've hired other people to do parts of your process in terms of the programming and because you already have uh, a program in place do you think that's kind of saved you some time there too that's another that's another good point are they doing all their own programming and stuff and like right. so like that would add that would significantly add to the time um i don't know uh how much chess was actually using a process like mine it sounded like a little bit but not a ton he called himself the api so like for people that don't know like that's where a lot of times you can just get the data automatically into whatever you're using excel or any stats program you can just pull the data in quickly um so like that's where i get my uh sportsbook numbers from DraftKings and everything so i could price them i pay an api service so like but so he's saying he's the one who's doing all that Right. He's the he's the human API. So right. who knows how much of the coding and stuff he's actually using? But like, but that would that would add that would add time. Um, I mean, it, I guess it is. It's the per, the perception now that I'm like thinking all the reaction and taking it all into account. I think the reaction of the DFS community was overblown. It actually is a lot more hours than people realized, and I was yeah. wrong about that. And um, I, uh, but I would probably say 80 was probably an exaggeration for his average number. So like right. he's doing a hundred hours a lot of times and 60 other, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I, if I buy that, but, I, but I, obviously I could be wrong. Yeah. So it is a, t it is a ton of more hours than, than I thought, um, than people think. Yeah. No, I think that that's definitely true. And yeah, for me, it also comes down to like, what do you consider, work so like you know obviously the two hours before lock i think oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of similar to you. that's when when i'm starting and doing a lot of the yeah. work um and then i think you have to count anytime you are like pre final lock of the night which is usually at like 9 30 central time nine o'clock so whenever that is 
that I think you need to count, like, because you, you need to be, at least for NBA, you need to be tied to your computer or at least available to make changes to lineups. Um, so you got to count that time. And then, I don't know, post-lock, like, do you count watching the games or, like, paying attention to the games? I <laughs> no. Maybe there's some edge there, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you count that either. But, I don't uh, count yeah. that. But for guys, if you then add into that those hours, which is, I don't know, what is that, five hours something total be, from, like, two hours before lock to when the final lock is, yeah. I, I guess we're looking at, yeah, about five, five and a half hours. If you, night. if you clock out at work and have drinks with your buddies, like, at a real <laughs> job, that's not extra hours you're getting paid all right, for. all right. <laughs> And, and speaking That's of work, which this is not a real job. I mean, right. I know some of these younglings have never had a real job probably and real jobs suck and bosses yeah. suck. And that's the whole like main reason I I've got into gambling at a young age is like, <laughs> what fuck this? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no. this is not a real job. I feel the same way. It's uh, yeah. it's pretty great. Um, yeah, it's so awesome. then, so tying in th these last two questions then. So uh, the potentially diminishing edge of DFS. If it becomes necessary at some point for you to work 80 hours per week to stay on top of the DFS world, are you willing to put in 80 hours per week? Probably not. That's when you move on? Um, yeah, at this point. 2014, I will. Yeah. Who knows what I was doing back then? I was putting in a lot, lot more hours then because uh, I was building everything out and coming up with ideas. I was, I was hungrier. Um, I don't know, like if I'm going to put 80 hours a week into like, I would probably start a business. Yeah. Um, and then, and then just play DFS for fun or just not play it at all. I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. If poker, if, if like poker came back, I'm not even sure I would play it. And I, and I and I imagine since it would be Illinois only, like I could I could I could crush with probably little effort for like six months or so, maybe even maybe even longer. But it's like, but you guys sit in front of the computer for well. First, I'd have to get my game back uh, up to up to snuff, and that could take a while. And then, but then you guys sit in front of the computer for hours. You know, I'm not sure I would do that. Like I, I I imagine I could make a pretty penny, but it's like eh. I'm not sure I want to do that. So, like, I'm thinking, like, with DFS, if I have, like, have to sit at my computer for 80 hours a week, um, nah, I don't, I don't, I, don't I, I, I want, I want to say no, most likely, but who knows? You never know, I guess. All right. That's, uh, I think that is a fair answer. And yeah, there's, there's obviously plenty of opportunities. You, you mentioned on a show recently, there's plenty of opportunities to make money out there. So, if you get to the point where it's just not worth it for DFS, then yeah, there are other opportunities out there and you know you've you've probably built up a big enough uh egg nest egg at this point that you you know you're not in any rush like when when you stop playing dfs you don't need to get back to you you've said that you wouldn't go back to the grind so you'd be able yeah. to, to find Plus, something like, else just being an entrepreneur is is a lot more appealing to me right now than than when i was younger i think like the whole because it's a different game nowadays with the internet and um social media and stuff like that it's kind of it's kind of interesting and you look at youtube the analytics and the ads they pay people trying to advertise on your shows and like all these little pieces that you learn over the years is um uh it's like oh you know maybe maybe taking a crack at uh building up a business would be would be fun it yeah. wouldn't be as it'd be a grind but in this scenario i have to put 80 hours in anyways um the the you know the the x value of return might be better and it might be a new you know adventure that's more intriguing to me um 
I say that and then I start a business and then like six months later, I'm like, business is over. This <laughs> is too hard. I mean, Everyone's you, fired. You've, you've clearly got some entrepreneurial spirit to you. We'll, we'll talk a little bit later about uh, some of your, your side ventures outside of DFS. You're already, I mean, you, you say you don't put in eight hours of work of DFS, but I would guess that you have to be putting in many hours of work overall because you're working on these side projects as well. Uh -huh. um, but let's, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for the end. Um, uh -huh. Talk just a little bit more DFS before we get into those side projects a little bit. Um, uh -huh. So I'm just, uh, so, so you and I have some, some mutual friends in the DFS world, uh, Alex, Steve Buzzard, RBX88. I'm curious what, what your DFS social life looks like in general. Do you keep in touch with a lot of people in the DFS world? And, and do you think that you've benefited from those relationships in terms of your DFS EV? Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. DFS EV only with Steve. Okay. Buzzard. Um, Although I think Pete, Pete and I have had a mutual beneficial relationship actually with, with I've given him some tips on like, like game theory ideas for best ball and stuff like that. And, and he succeeded there. Uh, and um, uh, like, I've had pieces of people and stuff that I've, that I've gotten some money out of yeah. uh, me and me and RBX swap pieces occasionally. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever asked anyone a strategy question. Okay. Except, yeah. except uh, me and Steve have, have talked. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So like nothing like helping my, like me and Alex, me and Alex, we've never, we've just, you know, talked like normal, normal people. And we went to the bar once and stuff. And like, we're not, we're not talking strategy really. You're both in Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Him, him, uh, Martin, who's Papa Gates, Sean Zahn, who now works at Osmo too. Who else was there? Um, Evan Silva, who's now at ETR. He wasn't then. Tom, yep. co-owner yep. of Osmo. I believe Rinpack used to work, live in Chicago. That was Rinpack's first show that day that I, I met him. He came out to the bar that same day, wow. and he and he banked uh, a showdown for his first wow. win. That's awesome. 
Yeah. So do you, do you keep in touch with many other? I mean, I guess that's kind of a lot of pros that you're keeping in touch with. Oh, that was yeah, that was just one night. I don't keep in touch with a lot of those guys, but yeah, right. I mean, occasionally, yeah. I guess Dave, Davis, Manic, Pete, um, yeah. RBX. Um, don't want to put you on the spot. You're going to forget yeah, some no, people, forget and you're going to feel bad about it later. <laughs> just, yeah. But this isn't. Re it's not real life, though. It's not like yeah. I'm hanging out with anybody. Right, right. Letter. It's all. It's all yeah. online. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for me. I've never met yeah. Alex in person. I've never met Steve in person. I've met RBX like at the at a live final briefly, but it's mostly I, I talk to people online a little bit. Um, and I was gonna. So, would you recommend that to newer DFS players forming friendships, group chats uh, as a way Definitely. of kind of helping each other improve? Yep. Yeah. I'm just bad. I'm bad at that. I mean, that was the reason I started going uh, public, if that's the right word, and making videos is to like get in the community more, just like forcing myself to talk to more people. And I still haven't really done it with strategy a ton, which was kind of, kind of my, my goal. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I know, I know a group of guys who, who like have their own little click that they, uh, they talk strategy and make simulations and stuff like that. And it's yeah. definitely the way to go. If you can, especially if you're like up and coming, I, right. I highly recommend it. All right, cool. Um, let, let's shoot. So, so, so we're running up to a time constraint here. We've got about five minutes left. So let's just shoot through some, some listener questions. A lot of these seem to be jokes anyways, but uh, I think listeners like to have their questions answered. So I'll just shoot through them. Jason Roslin asks, uh, why don't you like showdown PGA? <laughs> Is that a, do you dislike show? Do you not play showdown PGA? Do you dislike it? What's up? No, he, he, I think that was a Twitter thread where I said I wasn't playing the show. Maybe he's joking. The okay. showdown last week, the um, players, because the weather was crazy. They had these crazy showdown going. Um, but it's, it's purely because my showdown simulation is not built. Um, okay. Is the main, is the main reason. And it's in my, so my sims are not built. It's only built out for four. A full, uh, four, four rounds with a cut. Okay. All right. Good. I'm happy with that answer. Uh, Felix Castro, who uh, won a milli in on DraftKings, DraftKings best ball, I believe, uh, asked what your hand size is. I'm not sure if this is a an NFL draft joke or a fish gloves joke. Um, I don't. But I don't get it. You, okay. <laughs> All right. That's how big your gloves are. All right. That, that's his hand size right there. There you go, Felix. So you're gonna have to watch the video and not listen on uh not listen to the podcast. All there right. So that's there's a question. Uh, John Kelly asked. He, he'd like for you to speak about your rise to becoming the number one MMA tout. I know you did a stream with John recently about that's MMA. Right. Um, do do you enjoy talking about MMA? Uh, I do. I do. Yeah. I because like ever since COVID, when that was like the only sport, we were doing shows on it and stuff. Yeah. I used to. I got. I like it in high school. Okay. I liked MMA in high school, and then I just stopped. And, and boxing, too. was uh, There was some good boxing back then. And that kind of, like, got lame. I don't know. Like, they changed the rules, and uh, I just kind of stopped watching it. Anyways, with COVID coming back, I got back into it. And now it's just, like, those guys are so tough and, like, uh, you know, just amazing athletes. And uh, the DFS product is great. Um, so I, I just got back into it, yeah. And I joke. Cause he, like we do MMA live streams and John comes on as like our, you know, MMA expert guy. Yep. I mean, Pete, we don't know, you know, that's, that's the bit is I'm the number one MMA guy. And uh, John's number two. He knows what he's doing <laughs> a little bit. All right. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I was going to, I was going to ask you if you, if you claim the crown, it sounds like you do, you claim the crown. I claim that's the crown. where I was coming from. He's, right. he's conceded that you are the number one MMA. Uh, and my Twitter and my Twitter, uh, that recommendations, I'm also like eight and one or something too. Wow. So, okay. So, yeah. 
that's that's impressive. Pure, pure luck, pure luck. <laughs> uh, I got a, a guy who goes by the the handle OG Man's Fan sixty nine asks what your latest feelings are on Ben the Better. So I think he's referencing mm-hmm. you did kind of an expose on Ben the Better on the Lowell's podcast where you outed him as being uh, maybe not a fish. Like maybe he's a real he's a guy who's pretending to be a fish. Uh, what is your current stance on Ben the Better? Is he? Are you standing by the expose at this point? Uh, you know, I haven't really thought about it much okay. afterwards. We, he, I don't, we, we just don't talk about him, and I don't message him or think, you know. Okay. I know he came it. back and denied it, but I, I have not been following that saga no. since the expose either. I, He's I welcome to his uh, his little show, whatever he wants to do. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, James Morrison, I don't know if this is a guy that you know. Maybe this is a, an inside kind of ask. What, what, what is the most epic Bink celebration you've ever had? Oh yeah, he's he. You got the wrong guy, man. I'm not a part like uh, um, you know, a lot of my a lot of my friends and like family moved out of the city and stuff too. So it's not like, hey, let's go out. It's gonna happen. So I don't think I've really had any anyone any any celebration that was really worth writing home about. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I'm the same way. So yeah. I get it. Um, okay. Sometimes I'm so, in bed <laughs> sleeping. Yeah. Oh, that never happens to me. I'm always up until the end of the slate. But uh, mm. all right, so so we're really running out of time now. But I really yeah. just want to touch on your other projects briefly because because I reference Lowell's all the time. I'm a huge fan of Lowell's. Um, I kind of think that there's sort of like a little cult following for Lowell's. Like there are people who check in every week, uh, and it's generally like the some of the top DFS players in the world. Like it's just it's a really fascinating podcast uh, that you do with Pete Overzet. and you. I, I think at, at a glance, you guys kind of seem like an odd pairing a little bit just because like Peter, I, I think he's a former improv guy or maybe a former stand-up comic guy. I don't know. But then like you're a former poker guy. So I didn't quite get what it was going to be, what the show was going to be. I still, maybe I still don't know exactly what the show is, uh, but you guys, you have great chemistry. And I think that, uh, you know, Pete is also on top of being a funny guy. He's also very sharp. And I think the same of you, you're, you're obviously very sharp, but then you're also an entertaining guy. So I think a lot of us uh, really enjoy the Lowell's podcast, but I'm curious how, how it came about. How did you meet Pete? And did you immediately decide to do a podcast together? Uh, we met on Grinder. No, um, he, he, I, I messaged him. I, I was a fan of like his uh, Roto Grinders content and stuff. And like, I could tell like by like some of his contents, like, Oh, he's some, he knows, he knows a bit about poker. Like, he knew some like GTO terms and stuff like that. And like, and like he knew, uh, and he, and he, and he knows enough about DFS too. Like, and I also knew like I could help him probably too. Like, I'm like, I could give him some tips and maybe that'll be good t- content where I give him tips or something like that. And so I, I approached him and also I, when you do your first videos, uh, I know we're running up on time here, but like when, when I did my first video, like I, I messaged Josh Engelman and I was like, my God, I, I sound like I have something wrong with me. Like I cannot do these videos. I don't know how you guys do this, but then you get, you know, you get better and better at it. But I, I wanted someone else with me to help. And he clearly can hold his own show, you know, much less host a show. So he had all the the skills I was looking for and I thought it might be fun. And I messaged him, messaged him and he said no. And, uh, and then he had some trip he canceled or got canceled on him or something. Um, and then he messaged me back and he goes, you know what, actually, let's just try it for a while. I have a trip canceled. Let's do it. And um, I'm like, all right, let's do it. And and here we are. And I was right. At the, he must have had the same thing that I had. Cause I had a trip uh, that I had planned. We were going to go to the Philippines and then due to COVID we had to cancel at the last minute. I wonder, cause you guys started like 
the, the first episode was on the day that Rudy Gobert uh, yeah. canceled the world, right? So that was literally yeah, was. the same night that I canceled my trip. So maybe it was kind of it was probably thing. COVID related, yeah. But like, yeah, we don't know why. Then then what the COVID then Rudy Gobert wouldn't line up though, right? Because wouldn't it have been after that. Or, but no, maybe they were just yeah. being like, maybe they were just being uh, cautious, you cautious. Know, canceling yeah. before it goes. Yeah. Yeah, could be. We, we canceled probably later than we should have, so uh, that would make sense. And, and how how would you describe Lowell's to a potential listener who hasn't checked it out yet? It's just a gambling podcast. Fair. I mean, yeah, I would say. I mean, we do talk about you know politics, but it's mainly gambling politics. You know, True. we talk about gossip, but it's mainly DFS gambling, sports right. betting gambling, po- gossip, and uh, we talk strategy occasionally, and. Um, a variety it's a variety show too i guess so yeah. like we did march madness and we but we also <clears throat> i would say gambling and, and crypto because we love okay. crypto nft got in a top shop briefly yep yeah but like um i mean that's the fun thing about a podcast is we could do whatever we want we don't and we don't have a boss we don't have a company we work for so we could swear and say whatever we want or something offensive and um you know who cares like we're not gonna get in trouble so some episodes are just off the rails and uh uh, but you know, if you're looking for like live before the lock, um, structure, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get yeah. a graphic of our topics on the left side because we don't, we just make it up as we go. Yep. And it's a, it's a very entertaining show. I would definitely recommend it to anybody who hasn't checked it out yet. It's L O L Z. Somebody, somebody uh, messaged me on Twitter and said, you mentioned this Lowell's show all the time. L O W E L L S. I was like, no, it's, it's, it's Lowell's L O L Z. Uh, so you can find it on Brian's YouTube, Brian Hooper. Uh, so let, let's close it. I just want to give you real quick, 30 seconds. Can you tell me uh, the, the general uh, idea of your new sports betting project that you've put out there? Is it available now? Yeah, it is. Brick75.com is my website. That's also where I have like the free props and ownership percentages and stuff. Um, it is a overlay for sports books where you could take like Osmo's data and just upload it and it'll display right on top of the sports book. So like if you think, uh, you know, like he has Carl Anthony Towns for 22 points, you just upload it. And then when you're in the sports book, it'll highlight in green or red if it's over or under that specific number. And I'm adding to it in the next few days will be an update for underdog. So you could upload like Osmo's uh, best ball rankings right next to the player's name. So there'll be like um, the underdog average draft position and Osmo's and there'll be two columns. So you could put like, if you have like a little more game theory in you, you could put like, what's your um, exposures you have so far on the player and you can, you know, adjust your and diversify some of your field or, uh, maybe you could put a different company's uh, best ball numbers and Osmos if you want. You could have all of them up there displayed. Yeah. Um, it's based off of the old poker huds. It's a straight okay. ripoff. Is the idea? I've, I, I used to love those poker huds back in the day, where, where it would have um, information on your opponents based on your hand histories that you that you download for free from the site. Um, it, was, it was all legal. Uh, just a straight rip off of that because I hated going from like Osmo's page to the sports book, Osmo's page to the sports book, right? Well, I, I mainly hated it with my stuff because I would write all my stuff in Excel and then I'd be like, okay, click who's the highest. Okay, now I have to go, what team is he on again? And then yep. go click. So it just speeds up the whole process. It's a two day free trial if you want to use it. And if you don't like it, you could just cancel it. It's a uh, sports, yeah. sportsbook HUD on um, brick75.com. 
rick75.com i uh, so i can't sports bet here in minnesota minnesota so i didn't think that i would have any use for it but i will definitely use that for underdog that sounds really awesome so cool uh very cool um yeah so w- where can people find you brian uh brian hooper underscore underscore is my twitter handle that's probably the best way youtube channels brian hooper i think it's brian hooper 75 actually um but if you google brian hooper or brick 75 you're gonna find me i'm on twitch too is also brian hooper i just started that so i don't need followers so if you guys follow me on Twitch, I'd appreciate it. It's kind of an embarrassingly low number there. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have a Twitch, otherwise I would. Maybe I'll go find it. Right, and uh, brick75.com is my website, and I think that's everywhere. That's you could you. Oh, we have a Discord. We have a the uh, Deposit Kingdom Discord, and there's a lols forum in there if you guys want to talk to me and Pete. And I also have my own Discord, uh, which is not as active as Pete, but it's easy to get a hold of me, which is also brick75. So you cool. be able to find all those. Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, ran out of time here. Uh, Thanks again to Brian Hooper for joining me on episode five of High Stakes. You can find episode six of High Stakes next Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, on the Osmo YouTube channel or anywhere that podcasts live. Thanks for watching. Have a good night. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.